Does everybody know what time it is? It's that time of month. <laughs> it's it's a great work. You are appreciated. When Jill was young, Jill and her mama had beef. Whenever she had a cold, tempers flared in heat. Though now is a time she wished she could see her face as she deals with something big just to feel her embrace. Laid out in surgery and just wants to go home. Tim is a fool who needs to grow up mm. on Grunt Work, yep. the only podcast about the TV show Home Improvement that dedicates this episode to Abby. We hope you do you proud. I am Landon Solano, joined always by my co-host Truman Caps. Truman it's good to see you. Landon, it's good to see you, too. Uh, I feel like a more somber tone this week in honor of perhaps a somewhat more somber episode than either of us was expecting. <laughs> I can't wait to get into personal reflections on this because it's uh, th- this was a wild ride. Um, uh, an emotional roller coaster. And uh, some of the early emotions weren't my fondest memories of this show i'll be honest with you no no par for the course for what we would have expected given the subject yeah. matter well, okay but hey you know what what's a happy thing though like what's <laughs> what's, a happy, what's what's a happy what's, go, what's what's going on man how are you i'm happy to be talking to you presumably yes. you're happy to be talking to me this absolutely is, this am. is great it's my highlight this is our like what this is number 10 right of, of the countdown yeah and i meant to text you uh, sometime between last week and this week, <laughs> what, what 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 kind of exciting things can we do to count down from ten to one? Uh, we, well, you know, which it's funny because we texted about other dumb shit, but we didn't text about the <laughs> podcast we make and the momentous episodes. Maybe it was wrong of us to be harsh on Home Improvement for being kind of slappy with their uh, slappy sloppy with their conclusion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, this show is called Grunt Work. We do need a work-life balance. So I think mm. when, when we're off the air, you know, we text enough about the podcast just planning stuff. So, you know, I'm not I'm not about to sacrifice, you know, bonding time with you. No, without, abso- you know, absolutely Sending not. you memes. Yeah, asking yeah. Asking you no. if the new, the new hat I want to buy. <laughs> you um. know, I, I mean, I just don't know why, Landon, you would need a baseball cap that has a, a flap that can go over the front of your face. Like, I understand the flap going over the back of your neck if you're in, you know, out in the sun, but yeah. the front of your face, it's like hanging loose, so it's not like a mask, it's just like a veil, sort of. It It is veil-esque, yeah. Uh, first of all, the the thing is, I need an SPF hat. Uh, mm-hmm. I. My main source of activity uh, exercise is walking. I do three and a half miles on my lunch most days. Wow. And wow. I have skin cancer runs rampant through my family. So mm. I need protection. I, I use sunscreen, but at the same time, I'm like, I'd rather just have a hat and things shielding my neck and my ears rather than slobbering on oily stuff that I can't get off the rest of the day. I mean, I'll still do that, but you know, yeah, it, it beats having your skin burn off, you know? Yeah. 
look, I'm having a similar issue actually at the moment because uh, as as you may know, there's a writer's strike going on and I have been going out to the picket lines even though I am not a formal member of the Writers Guild. But and nothing for this show is written, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, no. This is this is all straight off the dome. Nobody is uh, violating any sort of. Uh, we're not crossing any picket lines here at Grunt Work. Yeah. But even on a even on a you know cloudy sixty degree day or something or or partly cloudy, if you are walking back and forth in the California mm-hmm. sun on uh, just unshaded pavement, going back and forth across the same intersection for hours. It gets very hot, and you need to put on a lot of sunscreen. Yeah. And I hate, I hate it too. Especially if I go out in the morning, putting that on, and then I'm going to be greasy all day. You specifically, you you are not an outdoor kid. No, no, hardly. I'm the least outdoor of of the kids. I watched, I watched, <laughs> you know, the boy in the plastic bubble, and I'm like, that lucky son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> but I've been thinking about getting a hat. But the thing is, I I've never really taken that step before. Hats really mm-hmm. don't work on me. So I, you know what kind of hat I think would work on you. What and kind of hat would work? It's going to be counterintuitive. I realize. <laughs> I I do think the the not a cap, but a a full, you know, um, all the way around cap. You know, with the brim mm-hmm. that goes all the way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah like kind a of hat, kind of like a well, not cowboy esque. It's not western style. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking more. I don't even know what the term for them would be. Just I, they're. Like not quite Gilligan caps, but just the wide G- Gilligan Gilligan caps hat. is my is my cousin. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, look, I I know I know the the hat that you're talking about. Yeah. It's the kind of hat that my dad bought before our trip to Australia when I was a kid, and yes. then has worn on every subsequent vacation and wears every time he comes to California. It is yeah. a tan hat with kind of a kind of like mesh at the top of it a wide brim it, and yeah. and like a you know it's got a uh it's got a like a neck strap for it or things you can that you can cinch up under your chin or yep. so you can hang it off the back of your neck and yeah i don't know man i'm like i love my dad but i'm just not quite ready to to <laughs> fully adopt is, his fashions this is why i sent you that photo because i i've reached that age where <sighs> I, I am more concerned about protecting my head than I am about fashion. Because uh, oh, in addition to that hat, I'm also buying an SPF jacket uh, that is that bright, like, construction worker yellow mm, green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, high viz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that yep, color is good, though. Yeah. So that with a, one of those black hats with the, the neckband. I wouldn't wear the, the, the face veil, uh, except in the winter, to cut the wind away from me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess, or unless you're, uh, or as I suggested, you're robbing a bank uh, in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I that might be the thing. The problem is that it, say what you will about the aesthetics of a black baseball cap with a connected cloth that either hangs down over the back or the front. Uh, baseball caps on me tend to just, uh, the, my head is quite large, and I have rather a large amount of hair as well, and the, yeah. the baseball cap just kind of squeezes very tightly on top of that and makes just, it just accentuates how big my head is that people don't, <laughs> like, so I look like a pinhead. That's, that's why I'm suggesting you get a, a, a sun hat instead, you know, yeah. uh, and you don't have to, they come in different colors. You don't have to get that ugly tan color that your dad got. You know, they, they also come in dark tan. They also okay, uh, come in, great. uh, uh, camo and, uh, the, the green that is in camo, uh, that solid green. So I, you have options. 
I mean, I guess if I get camo, maybe people wouldn't even notice the hat, and they that way I could better <laughs> hide that I'm doing. Or I guess I could get like a bright red one, like I'm in Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, or like a, a particularly uh, uh, skincare conscious member of Dick Tracy's uh, <laughs> rogues gallery. I, you should show up to the next writer strike in a zoot suit. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean the. The the real issue at that point is the is just the sweating. I would just sweat clean through that. Uh, you got to get the moisture wicking suits. Oh man, it's, somebody stop me from doing that. Um, <laughs> can we talk about hats all day? It's a more lighthearted topic, I think, than what we're gonna unfold with the actual episode. It is. It is. Um, do you want to prime audiences, uh, our listeners, as to what happened this week on Home Improvement? Uh, yes, I do. Um. After experiencing prolonged cramping and some unusually heavy menstrual flow, Jill goes to see a gynecologist, who tells her she has a benign tumor in her uterus and will need a hysterectomy. Tim goes from being very loudly grossed out by all of this talk about female anatomy to mortified that his wife might die during major surgery. As the surgeons operate, Jill begins going into shock, and an anxious audience learns that they'll have to wait until next week to find out if she's okay. That was a perfect haiku. I, I, yes, you know, um, I can't, I can't pull off hats, but I can pull off, uh, I can pull off poetry, I suppose. <laughs> do you want to guess the title of this week's episode? Uh, yes, I do. Um, okay. okay. I've got four options this time. Four? Um, wow, you're working overtime. I, I, I am. You know what? I feel like this episode deserved it. Uh, first option, hysteria. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not trying to be glib about the subject. It's just the 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 option came to me, and I wanted to include yep. it. Okay. Ne- uh, All right. Next one. Ob seeing you. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, uh, sorry. I, now I, I have to admit, on that one, I I got my brain went from like us making a pun on it to are you trying to guess what the home improvement writers do and then i realized you've never done that no no it's, <laughs> it's it would al- also be weird if the show was glib about the topic yes it would be it would be uh okay. all right uh, next option um periodic table of the gillaments <laughs> <laughs> now okay i like how absurd that one is Yes, thank you, thank you. I, I, I <laughs> that, the, the, you could, you could toe that line, but then there's a certain amount of like, well, that's just nonsense. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, yeah, the more nonsensical it gets, the less it seems like I'm, <laughs> the less it seems like I'm taking shots at anyone or anything in particular, and more just yeah. like I'm a lunatic ranting in a corner. Um, and uh, the last option, get over it. I mean, they're they're all winners this week, dude. I, I, I like mean, they're 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 all good. And again, I feel I feel kind of bad being like this is an episode where Jill has a serious medical problem and has to go in for surgery. Now, here's a yeah. bunch of clever puns on this kind of dark thing <laughs> that we're talking about that that millions and millions of women go through and deal with. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but uh, again, it's. We're we're here to fill the time, and uh, and you know what? Uh, if it's really that bad, uh, uh, you know, you can ride the fifteen second skip button, or I guess you could if you knew that I was going to do it. In uh, the past. I'm holding I'm holding up a card right now that says contact Truman in care of tool yes. time. Yes, <laughs> one um, two three fake street. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. So I feel like 
Okay, I'm going to tell you the title, and I want to break open the title a little bit. Yes. Uh, and I just want your impression of it and and try to, I guess, attribute what it's trying to connect to thematically in this episode, all right? Okay, okay, go. The title of this episode is Loves, apostrophe S, Loves, yeah. Lost Labor. Mm, okay, okay. Let me double check that it's not... It is Love's Labor Lost. I'm sorry. I had okay, that okay. So just a straightforward Shakespeare reference. Yes. All right. So it's like, so because she's, as she says in this episode, she won't be able to have any more children. Mm-hmm. Is it suggesting that she's lost the ability to go into labor? I don't feel as crass about mine anymore. I feel like the show <laughs> met me there. <laughs> well, that's what I was like. You know, I can see that they're going for something a little bit different than their other dumb titles. At least it's not called Jill's hysterectomy. But uh, that would be that would be a very a very bleak companion to Jill's birthday <laughs> or yes, Jill's surprise. Would. This, I mean, Jill's surprise hysterectomy. Honestly, like that's uh, true. Yeah. Nah. Um. Uh. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like they're aiming at something a little more poignant. But I don't. That that's why I wanted to break it open. It feels like a, an attempt at something a little deeper, but I don't. I, I think that's a pretty shallow well. Based on the kind of shallowness of a lot of the other uh, humor in this episode, I kind of tend towards one of those answers. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's mainly just. I can't criticize them for it, though, because they do a lot of the same thing that I do, where it's like, well, labor is related to pregnancy, and <laughs> well, so that seems yeah, relevant, yeah. and they they, gra- right. they grabbed it and pulled it in. So, I, I mean, I agree. I, I think it's not great, but I also can't, can't say that they're not using the exact same methods that I do every week. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, this episode aired on February 23rd, 1999. It was directed by, directed by Peter Bonners and written by the team of Elliot Schoenman and Marley Sims. I, I'm going to, I'm sorry for future Truman here. Uh, I'm going to, you're probably going to have to edit this down a little okay. bit. But let's. I want to see right now if Elliot Shoneman and Marley Sims wrote the longest day. The, mm. the episode mm-hmm. of they did. They they wrote the longest day. Um, the episode where Randy might have cancer. Oh, okay. T- take a look. Did they write Taps? The episode where Jill's father dies. What was that? Season six or seven? That was. Uh, I believe that was season six. Episode late in the late in the run. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. No. Mm. Looks like they write three per season. Interesting. No, so but they, they wrote this one and the next one, and they also wrote All in the Family this year. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Just kind of looking at their their stuff, they, they go in wildly different directions. In season five, when they wrote The Longest Day, one of the others that they wrote was The Look. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 They, you know, it, it's, it, well, I mean, I think this episode kind of, kind of, uh, uh, spans the same gap in reverence uh, as those two episodes does. Like th- this one has it all, all in all in one twenty-two minute package. It goes yeah, from yeah, that's true. Very, very just wacky standard uh, home improvement stuff to very serious, and you don't really see the shift coming. Whereas I feel like the longest day was pretty, uh, pretty uh, heavy the whole time. Yeah, agreed. I mean, there was some levity in that, but. Um, I don't know. Okay, this is going to transition us into our personal reflections. Uh, I'm going to ask you what you felt about this episode in just a second, but I want to yeah, touch on yeah. what you just said, which is there are times on this show, 
and I, I think it might be in these more dramatic episodes where the comedy almost feels like a, not necessarily a parody of its normal self, but there, there's like a, it's skating by on, on such more surface level humor mm-hmm. than it would otherwise. You know, it's not really character based. It's not really, I guess it is situational based, but it's more like, it's, it's, it's more stereotypical based. Yes. Than, um, than it would on a normal episode. It, it feels almost more desperate in a way. It's like they're like, okay, some some heavy stuff is going. So we here, here's a joke for you. Here it's just like throwing throwing fish to a killer whale or something to keep it placated. <laughs> like just yeah. he, he, here laugh at something. Okay, like we're the the biggest kind of rhythm to it. I mean, certainly this is evident in a few scenes in the episode. Is there <clears throat> something really serious is happening and two characters are having the very serious conversation about stuff mm. and Tim is just looking shocked but coming in with just a pretty just across the plate joke every other line they're just alternating yeah. a thing in with him doing that to just be like okay it's sad but you're happy for a second but you're sad but you're happy yeah. for a second which doesn't I think have the intended effect yeah I, I want to earmark that for specifically the scene with the doctor to talk about in more depth um I, I, I want to, I guess, I'm going to give you my reflections first. Yes, you should. <laughs> I'd be kind of doing it. Yeah. Oh, um, thank you. There, the, the, the start of this episode is really hard to palate. I, this mm-hmm. is one of those times where I think I've said it in the past. I know when I start singing my fuck yous to Tim that it's a bad episode. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is, you know, if Tim responds to something, I'll, you know, first throw a, a middle finger at the screen and then he'll say something else, you know, either in the same scene or a little bit later. And I'll go, Oh, fuck you, Tim. If it happens like three times, I'll start singing like, fuck you, Tim, you know, like <laughs> start creating little, little jingles about it. It uh, must be fun being your neighbor. I right? <laughs> just, <laughs> I have very thick walls here. I don't, I can't speak to my apartment neighbors when I, you know, lived in my previous places, but yeah. What, what, the, at, at what point do you moon the, the screen, though? At, at what point, uh, like, has <laughs> has he an ever angry gesture? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So he's never he's never uh, uh, elated you to that level. <laughs> no, no. It's a it's a well. I don't know. It's a sign of disrespect. Uh, I think. Oh, I see. Right. What the know. mooning? What, what, what? Yeah. What is mooning? What do you, What do you? It's not like flicking someone off. What circumstances would you moon someone? I think it it is. It seems like a flippant. Like, and it seems like a high-spirited act more than anything, because I feel like friends will moon each other and kind of like, you know, hey, here's my ass, woo, hey, yeah, spring break. But then I've also been <laughs> offensively mooned by by fans of a rival sports team from a different high school right. when I was in high school. So that's kind of what I've, okay, for one thing, I've never had a friend moon me and say, woo, here's my ass. Uh, <laughs> they say, so wait, that must I be an Oregon thing. I mean, otherwise, how do you know what's happening? If someone moons me silently, I'm just like, I have no context for this. What oh what, what am God. I looking at here? To me, it, it's more of a, a sign of, like, uh, fuck the authority. You know, like, I, I picture it, you know, people are mooning, uh, you know, deans of schools. <laughs> but again, I don't, I've never really experienced mooning in my life, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what the real world thing is. I have to go off of like Animal House. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just you, you, the the foremost figure of authority, the dean of a college. You know, traditionally very <laughs> stuffy, wearing a bow tie. Well, I mean, you don't like moon your boss. 
I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a job anymore. How did I get fired? I wonder. Did you moon him on the way out? I, I, well, you know what? I, the problem with being laid off by email is that there's not really. He, did, I don't think he opened the email attachment I sent him, so I can safely uh, say no, okay. I did not. Um, gotta look at those analytics. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> those analytics. Analytics. Oh, um, fuck. We, so much better. Why did we go? Why did we go here in this episode? Because the, we were just we were just roasting the show for being serious and then being completely inane and vulgar and stupid to, to cheer people up and then back to serious. We have learned nothing. We have learned not a thing. We we have, and you know what? Don't learn anything from us either, everyone. Yeah. Um. My my point was that uh, what, what was my point? Um. <laughs> You don't moon your boss. Anyway, thanks what, for listening, folks. You really derailed me. Where this was this was an episode where you began singing "fuck you, Tim." You knew it was going to be a bad situation because yes, of thank Tim's you, thank actions you. in this episode. You got me back on track. Um, so I was thinking, like, I, I, I was having that initial reaction, and there was a moment, kind of in the middle of the episode, where I thought, "Oh, that was intentional, so that they can pivot Tim into." a kind of teachable moment or learnable moment, but that didn't really end up happening. It was just no. more, it it was more, oh, this is serious. So it's not that I apologize or have learned the thing, the reactions I had earlier were maybe not great. It's, I'm just going to set those aside while I deal with a serious thing. Yes. If yeah. That makes sense. I don't know, but I, what we'll get i think that'll make more sense as we get into it but what mm-hmm. what were your experiences with this episode uh you know they were uh they were similar to yours uh i but the thing is i i knew that an episode was coming up where jill would have to get a hysterectomy i had i had learned i knew that this was in in the mix for the show and so when Jill is talking at the beginning of the episode about the symptoms she's having and tim is being so loudly dismissive i kind of knew oh this is going to get serious, right? Okay, so mm. I I saw that coming. I just didn't know that that it was going. I thought the episode was going to be about the process of Jill getting a hysterectomy and then how she feels about it afterwards and reconciling that. I didn't realize there was going to be an immediate perceived threat to Jill's health of her yeah. like on the operating table and things going bad. Which and also I was not expecting a two parter a, a to be continued. So. Mm. So uh, my reaction to this episode was a lot like yours, but it ran the gamut from me being very angry to suddenly just surprised and yes. kind of uh, gutted by by where we wound up, which and, and maybe my concern for Jill's safety has made my reaction to Tim even sharper. Who can say? Now, I was thinking about whether or not there's a place for this in the, the deep dive or not. And I don't think there is. So I'm just going to mention it now. But toward the end of the episode, when it is apparent it's going into a two-parter and that this is real serious and Tim is like outside in the lobby with his head in his hands and Wilson's praying, (laughs) you know, aside from what he prays. But like there was a moment in my head where I'm like, these motherfuckers were actually going to kill Jill from the show. Like they they had this in their back pocket just in case. Uh, That that is my other big reflection from from this is – I think that's part of why it was also so affecting was like seeing the outline of what they were ready to do. Like the, you know, all of the, (laughs) they had the, all of their operatives were in place and they were ready to give the, give the execution order if Tim Allen signed a contract for season nine. Like, right. I, 
I like I compare it to um okay folks get ready for a a classic Truman Caps presidential history deep cut. There's <laughs> oh, a boy. speech that Richard Nixon had written but never delivered uh called In Case of Moon Disaster for when they were doing the Apollo 11 moon landing and mm. it was basically just if they die or if something goes wrong and these three men are trapped on the moon here is the speech that Nixon is going to give saying, "Hey, um these these guys died. This whole thing has gone south." And it's kind of a haunting thing to read because it's just you think about, wow, like this other kind of dark thing that could have happened and didn't. And I feel like this episode is kind of home improvements in case of moon disaster. It's it's sort of if you know <laughs> what they were thinking of doing to keep the show going, it's chilling to see, oh, this is this is like the the inflection point or the the point of separation for an alternate reality. <laughs> I, I think we need an in case of moon disaster, and I think it should have happened before our previous <laughs> conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, so I, one thought I had with that kind of revelation is like, I, and I don't know if that's just us having spent this much analytical time with the show over the last seven years, uh, or if I would have felt this way back in the day, but like, I if if they went in that direction, like I would have been mad. Oh yeah, at this show I would have not. I might not have finished like the last ten episodes of the series purely based on that. I, I yeah yeah I I think it's incredibly ballsy that they even considered that they could do that. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's one thing when Kevin can wait just flat out killed off his wife from the first season <laughs> yeah. so they could put Leah Remini back in it. But that that was like America had barely gotten to know her. That was one season of a show like yeah. J- Patricia Richardson, Jill, like she was on the cover of TV Guide and was hailed right. like very, very popular. And and that's, you know, I, I don't know all of the details. We only hear things in, you know, bits and pieces and stories and sound bites. But, you know, we from our basic understanding, it was Tim Allen saying he wouldn't do the show if Patricia Richardson wasn't going to be involved. And mm-hmm. I think artistically and creatively, that is a really... I, I, I don't want to go as far as to say commendable, but at least smart decision like to know that this show would not have the chemistry that it needs to exist without her i mean i i i agree i agree very much i think that i and i've said in the past that it would be interesting to see the show with with you know because they've moved marty into the house and so the idea of tim and and marty kind of playing off each other i think that would be interesting like from our academic perspective to just see what the hell that would look like or what that would be. But yeah, absolutely the right choice from an artistic and a marketing perspective is just, no, just end it with eight seasons. I think everyone is much happier that way than if they, they tried to, you know, wring a few more million out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, any other reflections we got before we go in? Uh, I want to say one thing I appreciate about this episode is that they took, you know, a woman getting a hysterectomy and and her talking, frankly, about, you know, having, you know, heavy menstrual flow or like, you know, cramping or so like there's a lot of crass jokes made about it. But I appreciate that they put that front and center. They had yeah. her talking about it. They normalize it to some degree, to a degree that at least I think was probably kind of bold for the 90s to have a primetime sitcom 
talking about this stuff. I, yeah. I think that's good because again, this is a you know a thing that lots of women deal with, and I'm feel like a lot of times that stuff kind of gets shunted aside. And mm-hmm. I respect Home Improvement for talking about it, even if I don't really like the way that they did a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I I, I kind of. There was a moment in the waiting room um, where I felt the influence of the TV show Roseanne on this, mm. where like they had already gone off air at this point, but they had blazed so many doors before this episode aired that's like they probably wouldn't have been able to do this type of show, you know, in an earlier season, at least you know in the first three seasons. So yeah, uh, I, I felt the influence in that. Yeah, it, it the the. I don't know. The tone had been set in primetime for this episode to exist. Uh, I will say I am a little bit disappointed that, and this is just a note I have all the time, which is why why do we have to see this through Tim's perspective? Mm-hmm. Yes, again. That's, that's my biggest gripe against this episode is just, okay, Tim doesn't like to talk about periods, so do we have to experience it through his perspective if it's not involving him you know yeah i mean yeah. it involves him to a degree but he's not the one going through the experience like why are we watching this through the male experience versus her experience who has a you know an entire i don't know i don't want to attribute it to her identity but like that's that's a a, a huge shift in your body chemistry yes i it's it it's always frustrating on this show that our lens into the lives of these really interesting people we like is like the narrowest lens. <laughs> yes. It's just it's a, that is completely closed off to any greater consideration or thought about these things, but just just has one kind of very narrow uh, set of reactions to them. Oh, um, well, listen, let, do you want to get into it? Let's 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 get into it. All right, let's prepare emotionally, mentally, maturely, conscientiously, clinically, sterilely, delicately, empathetically as we go into the deep dive. Okay, that's that that was very thoroughly done. Um <laughs> so we we start out with the uh, grunt creep hanging off of a a, a like chain or something to paint Scaffolding. The, yeah, the, he's he's painting the doors at tool time before he quite predictably uh falls off. And uh, Tim and Al come out, and it's ski week on Tool Time. Sure, why not? And they, uh, <laughs> they're they talking about how to do ski maintenance. They have a large, handsome, broad-shouldered, uh, very stern German guy come out uh, who's a you know professional skier to tell them how to do, uh, how to keep their skis in good shape and introduces a ski cleaning machine, which Tim uses to shoot some skis through a window because he uh, doesn't listen to instructions. So, <laughs> yep. So, so it's it's funny looking back at this cold open, which I, because also looking at the notes that I took in real time, me just thinking this is going to be a normal episode, and and <laughs> okay, the the first the first thing that really jumped out at me though is when we get the shot of you know Heidi has said, does everybody know what time it is? And we get the shot of the audience yelling tool time at almost yep. the center of the screen in the audience. There is an older woman who is bellowing yes. tool time with such elan and enthusiasm <laughs> and joy that I just, I, I, I love her. I, uh, she's my god now. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, you know, usually you don't hear, like, I, I feel like it's almost canned 
maybe I shouldn't say can't, but like you can hear the individual people in the audience today. And mm-hmm. like, I don't feel like you usually can. This is the, 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 the audio mixing on this one is just perfect. They had Steely Dan's people come in and perfectly balance all the voices <laughs> and the session musicians in the background. You, you, you listen to this episode with your, with your big headphones on. It's it really just <laughs> sings. So are you talking about the woman in the tan vest? I, I, I believe so. Who's like kind of beaming as she, as she says yeah. it. Her, yeah. her hair kind of bobs around as she's like tool time she she's shaking her head kind of like she's gesturing with her chin and her entire head as she as she shouts it <laughs> she's so excited about the time that it is <laughs> uh, there's also in the in the very background uh a guy who looks like will wheaton but like oh. will wheaton now not will wheaton in 1999 <laughs> I mean, listen, if if anyone is going to be traveling back in time, it's somebody from Star Trek. He probably went into a, you know, went into some kind of black hole or something. Oh god. Um okay. Okay, topic wise, like is this a tool show anymore? I mean, it it's it really just seems like kind of a lifestyle segment on a morning <laughs> show now. It's like, you know, yes. th- this week we're going down to talk to Klaus who who maintains skis and oh next week we're going to we're going to show you some guys who can uh, make food on the job site like none of this relates to tools no not at all and I, the thing is like i don't even think skiing is a, a masculine sport like so this is, doesn't even fit their their secondary you know thesis statement about it being a show for men yes but i i, I agree with you but also i mean i wouldn't I don't think that that professional magicians also fall into the traditional vein of of masculinity, and yet they got they were welcomed onto the show. Um, yeah, okay. yeah, I the, I concede. I think that I think that they try to kind of I think they're trying to create this impression of skiing as a manly masculine thing by having the ski instructor be a just gigantic man <laughs> like a doll uh you know uh kroger brand dolph lundgren uh whose name is dolph on the show but yeah. okay well uh, there you go and we're gonna go into his character at the corner at the end of the episode but um yeah it is it is like i don't know snake oil marketing <laughs> to some degree here well what the, the him trying to him trying to sell some super high tech uh ski polishing uh equipment well, like that's the that's the snake no, oil or, they're or... they're trying to like masculinize mm. skiing and it's just like that is me i mean listen any sport can be any gender obviously yeah but in in the lens of 1999 skiing is about the most non-binary sport that there is uh, yeah it's it's all you know all of the olympic skiers are sort of androgynous very slim builds in in brightly colored you know matching track suits or something it didn't it, it doesn't it doesn't slot into a a masculine stereotype right. the way like nascar or uh, or football did yeah yeah yeah, or still does. Um, yeah, and and also, uh, you know, and they're trying to make they're trying to make this point that that skiing is a super manly masculine thing. But then when Al points out that oh, his grandfather was in the nineteen forty eight Olympics in skiing, Tim is still kind of like throwing shade on it for being for being a sissy thing to do. Uh, yeah, yeah, I. I just don't. <laughs> I can't even. I have. I, oh, we okay. I okay. Let me. I, oh, oh boy. Well, uh, easy, easy. Okay, I'm just stick the paper clip into the reset. Uh, into the reset hole there. Thank you. Okay, I've regained my energy for the last ten episodes. I can do this. Okay, um, great. Yeah, Tim 
there's just this hypocritical thing with him at all times that's like skiing is a manly sport but not with wooden skis you need the state of the art uh, you know metal titanium titanium skis and yeah. in a weird way it's it's unintentionally giving tim a dimension of character that <laughs> is not really flattering in that he's like he he doesn't even stand by the things he says he's standing by. Yeah, it's just it, it is simple contrarianism, no matter what it is. They could yeah. they could have someone out there talking about Polish food and how great it is, and he would be mocking that person. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's just kind of obnoxious. I don't like that type of personality trait. Okay. I'm just okay. Gonna... Go on record saying that. In the last 10 episodes, we've decided that Tim Taylor is a little bit obnoxious and we're not super crazy about him. I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad that we finally made that breakthrough here on the show. It took eight uh, seasons to, to come to that conclusion. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, and th- th- I think my only real note about the bit itself is that when Tim, you know, the the, the cleaning, the ski cleaning machine that, that uh, Dolph has brought out, it's got these two... Uh, kind of rollers at one end that you're supposed to stick your skis through and then it will do all the cleaning to them via some sort Waxing of assembly line. And, yeah, sharpening yeah, all that stuff. Then he he, you know, Tim sends them through there too fast and they go shooting through the window and they then go into the backdrop like out out through the the window at the back of the tool time set is a, you know, it's a studio backdrop made to look like a Binford factory with a water tower on it that I assume has always been there. There's probably yeah, we've, 15 I, hours of never land mentioned and, that. Oh, I was sort of assuming that you have talked about it a lot and I just sort of zoned out during those parts of the podcast or deleted them for for space from my brain. <laughs> um but yeah, so yeah, I, I it only calls attention to it now. But they sh- go shooting out and they impale the the uh, water tower, and then CGI'd water starts pouring out of it. Mm-hmm. Which so the show is giving us the impression, I guess, that there actually is supposed to be the entire Binford factory behind the set. No, well, I mean, in a in a fantasy land, I mean, I think this is more evidence about what we've talked about in the last couple yes. episodes yeah, yeah, that yeah. this is. All scripted, like Tim and you know the guest knew he was going to put the the skis in there in order to not damage, you know, put a threat to the audience. They had to rigorously test the special effect, and mm. clearly, it's animated water coming out of the the water tower. So, and it's not a transition, and it's you know it's part of the tool time episode. This is all, this is all a show. Yeah, yeah. The show within a show is a show. Yeah, I, okay. It's, it's a scripted, planned. Tim didn't. He's so good at looking like he fucked up that it it that part feels like, oops, I accidentally fucked up on the show when really it was rigorously planned. Okay, look, and you've played a very powerful deck of Yu-Gi-Oh cards right there, but I'm going to throw down a, a different Yu-Gi-Oh card that will probably uh, invert the effects of your cards. I've never played oh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Boy. If I had, maybe this would be a better bit. <laughs> In in this episode in particular, but many episodes, all the people at the hospital know Tim because Tim is constantly going to the hospital after getting injured on tool time. If these are all scripted bits and the concept of Tim, mm-hmm. you know, as he said in the last episode, oh, I do, yeah, I do my stunts, whatever, like that this is all planned. Why is Tim getting hospitalized all the time if these are not accidents? There's your answer. 
Oh, oh, wait, that, that's what? What was what that? What? What is my answer? That was that was that was the jackass theme. Jo- Tim's oh. at Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, all right. So, 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 Tool Time is like, what if Jackass was also trying to sell me the products they were using to injure one <laughs> yes, another? Yes. It, it it's like it's like after what the guy farts through the tube and make and the other guy smells it and throws up. You could then yeah. like call the number on your phone to buy the tube that he farted through. Buy the t- yeah. I mean, how many stunts do they do with shaving cream? I okay. It's true. Jackass shaving cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. In fact, okay. Jackass is missing out on huge marketing opportunities. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess yeah. I'm surprised then that I, that makes Jackass somehow all the more pure. That it's like, no, it's not about it's not about the dough. It's not about trying to make money. It's about hurting each other. Uh, <laughs> okay, fair like fair point. My my Yu Gi Oh card has uh, has now been inverted back on me. I guess it does make sense that that. Tim would still be getting injured even in a planned circumstance. Because he said in a couple episodes ago, uh, or last episode, when he's talking to uh, Alex, the mechanic, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I do that my he does stunts. his own. He does his own stunts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he does his own stunts and just, but he's a shitty stunt man who gets hurt all the time, nonetheless. Well, the best stunt is the you know when you throw your body to the wind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Buster Keaton over here giving us the giving us the the true insider tips. Yeah. Um. Also, okay, uh, fair fair point. We, we'll I'll I'll lay down my uh, I'll lay down my sword. I'll lay down my Yu Gi Oh cards. I will not battle you on this anymore. It still makes okay, more sense right. that the show is uh, scripted this way. Only other thing from this uh, is that when Tim and Al come out, Tim introduces himself as Tim the Cool Man Taylor, and it's like, bitch, you've used that like four times now. I'm not, yeah. and, and you know, listen, it, I've probably reused some episode title guesses, so I guess I can't really point fingers, but you make more money than me, Tim Taylor. Uh, <laughs> my, second, my big note is last week um, for the cowboy episode of Tool Time, <laughs> he came out wearing all black. Uh, yeah. He's wearing all black again. Uh, and his, he's like painting himself out to be a villain. Yeah, it's just this is Darth Vader rising, you know. This is <laughs> this is the the very is that end a new of show? the yeah Darth Darth Vader rising. Yeah, it's actually a dating show, which is the which is the weird <laughs> part. Yeah, but and then also Al's nickname Alpine Borland. Um, Less cruel, I thought. Yeah, I, I yeah, I was like, oh, this is just clever. I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah. So, yeah, but then he yeah. asks him why he brought his mom's toothpicks out. And like, <sighs> so, t- yeah. so okay. Now, hold on. I, let's let's. I don't want to spend too much time on this. We're already almost an hour into this episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately, there's nothing heavy we need to discuss a whole lot. Yeah, and right. Endlessly dissect up ahead. But we're we're getting toward the end. So let's let's do our due diligence here. Al's mom's jokes. Okay. The thing is, Tim wants us to believe that she's fat. Yes. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. You, Take Al, that. you got a fat mom. Yeah. How dare you? So irresponsible. But Tim, is, Tim is suggesting here that a, a, a wooden ski is, sm- is small enough to be a toothpick for her. I think he's he's maybe threatened by Al's mom because Al's mom might be a kaiju. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or like some kind of mythological figure, like a you know, like like a like like Sasquatch or something, like so massive one, like like uh, Paul Bunyan basically is is Al's mom. (laughs) I I think that that's I think that's I don't feel like that's an insult. Like your your mom your mom is so 
enormous, like not in a fat way, but just she's a gigantic person that she picks her teeth with skis. I'm like, yeah, awesome. Put that in a folk song, dude. I want people to think that. That's People approach her and lose their sanity because they can't comprehend exactly (laughs) the cosmic entity that she is. Yeah, you, you know your your mom is your mom is so unspeakable. She can sing the song that ends the earth. Like it, none of that is. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not going to go home and cry when I hear that. I'm going to go home and be like, Mom, you you got you got really complimented today. I need to tell you about this. <laughs> oh my god. Um, anything else from the tool time scene? Uh, no, let's let's move on. Okay. Uh, the less said about Dolph, the better. Uh, we go to the theme song. Last ten theme songs, yeah, they they sure are. I mean, I, I I they don't even they don't even connect with my brain anymore. It's just for me. It's just like ah, this is a little little you know, a little just a quick a quick moment, a quick respite when I don't have to take notes, I don't have to be focused on anything. So, <laughs> if you want to hide something from me, put it in the opening credits of Home Improvement. Ah, okay. I will never see it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got nothing from the opening. Thong, 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 the, the thong song. I got yeah, from the thong you, song. You, you, really, you listened to the whole thong song and you didn't take anything away from that. I, I, the only thing I took away was, could I do this at karaoke? And I've never, I've never put that to the test. Prop. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say maybe no, maybe just err on the side of caution. <laughs> there are, there are literally hundreds of songs in the world. Try, try Thousands any of even. those. Mm, yeah. I don't. Well, let's not, let's not overstate things here. Okay. Um. So we come back from the opening thong song to uh, the Taylor house where uh, Mark and Tim are looking over a brochure for a ski resort that they're all going to go to that weekend. And Brad is, uh, despite his injury, excited to go because he's going to meet hot ski ladies. And uh, oh my God, but is that it is that which is a surprise to you because Brad traditionally is not into, you know, trying to pick up girls. Um but Jill comes in and she is uh, complaining to her friend, uh, her friend who's come by to visit. Her friend Anna, is that it? Patty, it's Patty. Patty, I'm sorry. You, you know, you said Anna at the beginning, and I got that in my head like that was, oh, that was her, uh, that was her friend's name. Her friend Patty has come over. Jill is complaining to Patty about just, you know, how her period's been really rough and how she's had lots of bloating and hasn't been to the gynecologist in a minute. And this makes Tim super, super upset uh, because he has to hear about this, which is. The one joke of the episode. Yeah. Um, okay. Just so I don't have to interrupt serious talk. Uh, I just had a revelation. Yeah. When this scene came on. Yeah. I, I've been puttering around my house uh, just kind of dismayed and, and thinking, I got to I gotta make a change. I, my, my house has blonde oak mm. and I don't like it and yeah. it feels out of date. And I ha- I've been having a hard time pinpointing why. Like, it's wood. Wood doesn't go out of date. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at the Taylor house, and I'm like, oh, oh no. Oh, shit. I'm looking at this week after week. I'm stuck in the 90s. And then I go around my house, and I'm like, I have the same motherfucking wood around here. <laughs> do you think that's why you have, like, subconsciously, is that why you, like, injured yourself trying to do a home improvement <laughs> task recently? Is that why things seem to keep going wrong Maybe. with different different parts of the house? Like, I, I didn't even tell you when I glued my head to a table. I I mean, well, this that's the beauty of us just doing this over the phone and not Zoom. Have you got a big chunk of, I, of table stuck to your head right now as you record? I, I did season seven, episode 13 with an entire table stuck to my head. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that you can remember which one, even though you fell asleep while we were recording. Um, yeah, so I, that would be that would be tough, though. That's it. now. So now you're going to do a gigantic renovation of your house, I guess, right? Well, I mean, it hasn't solved my problem, but it's given me the origin story of why I feel so off-put by it. I would imagine that now I know where it's from and what it's going to remind me of in my everyday life, I'm going to be more <laughs> inclined to do it, to change it sooner. I, look, you should make it look subtly like the Golden Girls house, so then you'll always just Ooh. kind of be in a good mood and ready to make uh, barbed, highly sexualized retorts to your friends. I'm going to turn my garage into a lanai. Oh God, that's uh, that's an un- unorthodox position for a lanai, but I, I like it. Probably better <laughs> in the winter months. Um, okay, I just I had a revelation. I had to share it. So yes, no, thank you. Well shared. Um, this episode, this, in this scene of this episode. episode. Yes, this is uh, this is the moment when I found out. Uh, oh, this is going to be the episode about the hysterectomy, and then this was mm-hmm. also as soon as. Jill is talking about what's going on with her period, and Tim is just groaning and moaning and right. and and cutting her off and telling her to stop talking. And then, you know, then I was like, oh, okay, I immediately know what this is going to be, and I'm unhappy about it. Truman. Landon. Let's talk about menstruation. Okay, let's. <laughs> uh, are you there? Are you there, God? It's me, Truman. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend Landon came along. I okay. I, I'm trying to think of what how I want to approach this. The the it's hard to look at things with a 2023 lens and look back on an episode like this, you know, with with 23 25 years judgment and and saying why why did you find why was that the funny thing of this episode? Mm. Because now it's like as we're and I, I won't touch on this too deeply, but, you know, w- with clearly everything that's going on regarding, you know, women's health in this country. Yeah. Like the fact that they were normalizing the the idea that men can't talk about periods, can't be in the same room as someone talking about their period. Yeah. Like it's really difficult to watch and it's 100 percent not funny. Yeah. No. Um, it, yeah. So it it's it is creates an an immediate distance from being able to connect with the episode and you know it takes all the humor out of the episode which like you know when you deal with a topic like this on a sitcom I need some levity I think I think it's yeah. important that we should have that but when the levity is Tim scraping the food off his plate because she's talking about having a heavy flow is mm-hmm. so hard to watch it it feels especially like bullying and like this would be this this would already be really bad if it was just Jill talking about her period and Tim being upset but also seeing this and knowing that Jill is talking about symptoms of a greater medical issue going yeah. on and this is actually something serious that that makes it uh even even tougher um, well th- that's I, that's the fucking frustrating thing is like Tim won't even listen to the normal you know, physiology that happens once a month, you know, in, in Jill and in women that she hasn't been to the doctor in two years as she yeah. talks to Patty in this. And like, it's creating a, a situation that makes that even harder to address, you know, yeah. like if she feels like she has to hide it or, you know, no, I'm not saying that she does necessarily. But we don't really get an instance. Yeah. She's in an environment where she doesn't feel 
like she's not encouraged or she doesn't feel like she yeah. can just openly discuss it even if she is like she's getting this negative reaction that's gonna like yeah. tell her she's not really holding doesn't care. holding back right yeah. but uh yeah it is just like a well there's literally no one in this house and tim is clearly you know i can imagine brad would have the same reaction and who's yeah. he gonna learn that from right yeah exactly so exactly it's Anyway, I, I, I'm not trying to get on a high horse about it, but just in terms of my my experience watching this episode, because that is, as you said, that's the joke of the episode, folks. In all of its iterations, boy, watch out when he goes to the gynecologist's office. Yeah, yeah. The, the, just being in that space is is uh, is somehow contemplating a women's anatomy that is not. A subject of sexual desire is just is verboten. It's something that no yeah. man would want to think about. It's, it, yeah. It speaks to it speaks to, I think, just a bunch of gross misogynistic attitudes. And it's like I don't th- and like this. I don't think it was necessarily unique in doing this. Like the audience's no. uproarious laughter at all of the jokes about Tim being disgusted by this. I mean, that's just. That is where comedy was at at that time, and it's, yeah. it was in a really gross place. I want to this this makes me think of one of my favorite King of the Hill episodes, one that I'm pretty sure won an Emmy, where like that came out the same year. It came out this the King of the Hill episode is called Isle Eight A. It's the episode where Hank is uh, looking after uh, the neighbor girl who is his son's uh, uh, girlfriend, Connie, and she has her first period while while she's staying there, and Hank has to help her and deal with that despite Hank Hill being very also kind of awkward and uncomfortable about menstruation and women's issues like that. But like that episode, Hank's discomfort with it is a source of humor because it's like he is being immature and the episode has a lot of like moments where the female characters are rallying around her and talking about it. And like Hank's confusion about it is like it's not him, him taking shots at it and saying, "Oh, I'm grossed out," but it's like we're made to laugh at how image, like how how much it pains him to think about this and deal with this. And then by the end of the episode, he gets over himself and like sits down with his son Bobby and explains to him what's going on with Connie, and like is open about it. like it. It kind of it touches on some of these similar topics that were in the comedy zeitgeist at the time in a really like thoughtful way and a really kind way that yeah. is not based on cruelty and just like ugh, ugh, and reinforcing a kind of traditional view of like what what how men are supposed to react to these things well and okay so i think we should trick along to the next scene because it, it t- pivots into what i want to say next but i i do want to say like by the end of the scene when tim is scraping the food off his plate like jill mentions it it mentions her period when tim's eating He's going, well, I'm eating here, you know, and then Patty comes over. They talk about it more. He picks up his plate and goes from the table to eat at the island. They continue to talk about it. She encourages her to go to the gynecologist, and that's enough for Tim. He just scrapes all the food off his plate into the sink. He's like, I can't eat anymore. I'm just going to waste this entire breakfast. That's the point at which I started singing. Like, that quickly into this episode, I was singing, go fuck yourself, Tim. Uh (laughs) Yeah, and and but, so then it, it didn't get any better for for you based on what the next scene is. Well, okay, so the next scene, we we pivot. Uh, I don't. People in raincoats run through the scene, uh, splashing. I, I don't remember what <laughs> caused that well, transition, it's, but it's, uh, because Jill is talking about her flow being really heavy, Tim says, "I oh, gotta okay. get to higher ground." Like, 
Oh, that's flooding. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that takes us to the next scene where Marty comes down and Tim's putting some of the ski stuff in a box uh, for the ski trip. And uh, they start l- lamenting. <laughs> hey, oh, hey, the- it's happening. Marty's like, you know, that's one thing I don't miss about being married is I don't have no more trips, late night trips to the store to have to pick up tampons. And, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just because it's William O'Leary, but there was potential in this scene for what you're talking about, where it's like, if men could openly talk about their experience with it together, that would be one thing, even if it had a little bit of a, like... I know a little bit of an edge to it. The fact that they know all of the variations, unfortunately they, they go in a derogatory direction with it, but I think there could have been something kind of funny in, yeah, they're putting it down, but they know more about it than they want to admit, which, which could be funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I think there's, there's ways to look at guys being awkward about this stuff or guys, being befuddled by this stuff that is that that can be funny and kind of put the joke on the situation and put the joke on the men for you know being kind of out of touch while still being real about the experience of being a guy and not knowing these things and it being kind of this world that we don't fully understand or have never really like cared to look into it's that this scene between him and marty just it turns into just them throwing just the crappiest comedy club jokes yeah. about like oh pant you know panty liners and oh what is you know what is this you know what does feminine protection mean and like what is this thing you know like just all the Pads different with brain- wings yeah yeah why yeah, what are the wings for they're gonna fly away and imitating also them being really upset and like you know impersonating women complaining about how oh you got me the wrong kind of tampons I want this size or that size and like why are women so uptight about it and it's like well. You know, it's something that's going to go inside your body. I, right. I myself would probably have some very specific uh, preferences for what that is, and I don't know Wouldn't why. You... They... Yeah, right. Wouldn't you want to know what <laughs> what your wife or partner wants uh, if that's the case? I, well, Wouldn't I mean, you want to educate yourself a little bit more. I, I mean, also, you know, listen. I also don't get the impression that either Tim or Marty ever really uh, educated themselves about things that their wives wanted or would make them happy. Well, th- uh, that's the fucking problem. Why this isn't funny and why it doesn't work. And, and okay, well, and, well like, what, what, one thing though, I would say a way that they could have turned this around is if then it goes right into them being pissed off that like oh Jill didn't didn't pick up the specific kind of motor oil that that I wanted or like oh you know she brought home a, a 78 6B you know slash <laughs> right. slash 7 gear shift when I wanted a, yeah. a classic model uh how dumb how could she do that you yeah. know but uh no didn't didn't turn it around didn't, didn't acknowledge it. that and so like Going back to the very thesis of this show, whether or not that's changed over the years or not, I, I you know, we can discuss that. But like the idea initially was the differences between men and women and how mm. can they live together. Mm-hmm. And so there's a there's a this deep into it, we see the scene between the two of them, and it's like, okay, if you want to maintain the idea that, you know, men and women are different. And, you know, every not that they're saying this, but every, you know, everything in between that, like if you want to highlight those differences, 
then you are giving yourself an opportunity here to talk about this from the male perspective and yeah. get that experience. Yeah. And this is what you're choosing to do with it is mm. ma- only make jokes at the expense of, uh, you know, of this, of the topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, my brain died there. No, no, no. I get it. That's a thing that happens to, to men sometimes that women don't know about. Or actually, no, women probably do experience that all the time, seeing it happen from men. Um, It's really kind of a cruel moment. Uh, it just them going back and forth like this. Again, me knowing what I knew going in that, oh, like... Because also previously in this scene, Jill, you know, Jill calls Tim and says, hey, I need you to pick pick me up at the gynecologist's. I'm bleeding really heavily. Right. And he cuts her off. He doesn't want to hear about it. Like, she is calling you from the doctor where she's yeah. saying she's having ongoing medical problems and is scared and concerned. You dismiss her, hang up the phone, and then go and just make a series of really mean, angry jokes about the fact that she... Well, it, it's it, – I mean, it's a little bit backwards there. All the mean jokes happen first, then the phone call comes, and the tone changes. Mm. And that that's the moment in this episode where I thought, oh, maybe maybe this is going to be, you know, a, a kind of comeuppance for Tim in a way that it's a big learnable moment for him. Like, he needs – you know, going through this experience with Jill, he's going to learn the importance of maturity and and – why he should know those things and not be so glib about them and not be so dismissive and generally assholey about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, it does take a big, big tonal shift when she calls and you feel like, you know, it immediately drops it, but you feel like, Oh, drama's coming in this episode. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we go from that scene to the gynecologist lobby where Tim is walking in. Jill is talking with the doctor at the moment. And, I my my hopes for his maturity in this was immediately dashed when no 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 this lobby scene is maybe the worst of the episode. Uh, yeah, he he comes in and it's a lobby full of pregnant women and he just looking at them. Not only pregnant women. Not not okay. It's a yeah. I, I it is all women in the lobby and he yeah. just even just looking at them seems repulsed. And then goes to to sign in, and he he or like goes to say I'm here for Jill, and he's told he needs to wait. And then he, like, looks back at the room where there's not like any empty seats, like anywhere he sits, he'd have to be right next to a woman. And he just like doesn't want to go. He like is asking, can I just stand up here by the desk? And it's it's, you know, it goes from him being uncomfortable, you know, like him being openly dismissive of the concept of feminine hygiene products or, or, you know, women's bodily functions to him, like being repulsed by all women in general. It is so like, uh, yeah, it, it, I I don't even get, I I don't get what's happened. Like, uh, yeah. Like just thinking, thinking about, (laughs) I don't, I don't, I mean, listen, I, (laughs) I know I take this into some dark places sometimes. And I don't intend to. I really, truly don't intend to. But this is is truly a representation of men not wanting to acknowledge women outside of being sexual creatures to reproduce with. Like, yeah. the fact that, and you said it a little bit earlier, like, oh, I can't view any of you through the context of, would I do that under the right circumstances? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like, this is a, a world which... 
Tim doesn't belong because there's no sexuality on display in his eyes at all. And no cars on display. They're, you know, that's... <laughs> well, I, I thought I just said that. No sexuality. Yeah, yes. Of course. I'm, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, your, your phone must have cut out for a second. <laughs> I, yeah, because he, 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 you know, he sits down and he sits down between, you know, a, a woman, at least one of the women is pregnant and the other yep. one, I guess, you know, is not pregnant, but it has kids. And the two women are talking over, you know, talking past him, across him about their experiences with pregnancy and like oh you know like how how nursing is painful or makes her nipples sore or like you know amniotic fluid and afterbirth and mm-hmm. discharge and uh, you know that weighed so much more than the baby did and all that and tim is just being grossed out and disgusted and uncomfortable about it and the whole time i'm thinking like tim you had three children like you, right. so you mean to tell me that the whole time that jill was bearing your three sons any issues she was having with the pregnancy, like you weren't there in the delivery room, like you were not just, like you're not used to this shit by now. Tim, Tim didn't have a father, so the only way he knew what to do when his wife was in delivery, he got from Looney Tunes. So he was just smoking cigars, pacing back and forth in the lobby until he burned a hole in the carpet. I mean, and that's more or less what he's doing in this episode too. Uh, yeah. So it, I want to, I want to just mention real quick, like. This is this is where the episode's conflicting to me, because hearing the women talk openly about these things, I thought, oh, wow, that's that's pretty brazen for home improvement and a pride tie show on ABC. But the only way that it seems like they can talk about it is if it's a joke that Tim is uncomfortable. Yeah. And it completely deflates the kind of power of what I'm hearing now. There is a a funny angle on this, and I wish they had started the scene and and kept the humor in this vein, which is once he gets back up and goes back up to the counter, he like looks through the magazines. There's no no car magazines. He goes up and says, "Don't you have anything? You know, any other you know types of literature?" And uh, you know, he makes some sort of fucking stupid joke about guns, hookers, and cars, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the magazine he wants, literally. That, yes. And he says, do you have guns, hookers, and cars? And she goes, no, but I have a, a coloring book. I can't remember the name, like My Little Princess or something. And he he opens it and he goes, oh, I haven't done this one yet. Uh, and she goes, do you want the crayons? He goes, do I? Yeah. Like, that's funny. I want to yes. see childish Tim so untethered by the situation that all he can do is resort back to, you know, revert back to childhood and, like, just, like not know what to grasp onto. I yeah. don't want to see him being grossed out by, you know, general anatomy and physiology of people. I, I mean, look, if it's, if it's, if the Tim that we're getting is Tim who just wants to color and Tim feeling uncomfortable about women's anatomy, but not Tim like making cruel jokes about it or being dismissive of his wife. Like if, if Tim was uncomfortable about all this stuff, but was like, just showing that discomfort and like hearing Jill out about what she's saying and like being uncomfortable hearing it, but wanting to help instead of just saying, Oh no, gross. Don't talk about that. Like that would be a kind of comedy that I'd like because it's clearly like Tim, Tim is trying to be a good partner. And because of his own internal bullshit, it's really causing him anguish. And presumably we're going to see him work on that. That is funny. But here it's just like Tim was just shitting all over, women in general and now he's in yeah. here and doesn't even want to be close to them and doesn't want to think about it the, the him him wanting just to color at the end of it is like 
you know, almost like a hearteningly innocent, the most innocent yeah, and, yeah. and likable thing he's done in the episode so far. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's so unpalatable because it's like, oh, you can't experience just literally sitting in a chair when all of these people in the office are, you know, going through the physical experience once a month or, you know, whatever else they might be experiencing. Like, just, just, just shut up. Yeah, just, just shut, shut up. up. Yeah, just, just don't. That, that's really it. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. Um. Anyway, the, the nurse calls uh, Tim back to the office to meet with Jill and the doctor to uh, hear the results and, and what, what's been going on here. Yes. And, um, yeah, Tim goes into the OBGYN's office where Jill is waiting, and he... Uh, he shakes hands with the with the gynecologist. Just like, oh, hey, you know, hey, Mark or Stewart or whatever. He, I'm, his name probably isn't Mark. That would be wild if if Tim named his youngest son after the the guy who delivered him. Nuts. It's Lloyd. Lloyd it, Field. Doctor Lloyd Fields. Yeah. Uh. But he. Yeah. Uh. So he shakes his hand and oh, hey there. How's it going? Like he seems to know him. And it's like, wait. So you're you're just everything relating to a, you know a woman's uh private parts is disgusting to you and you don't even want to know about but then you you like you're on a first name basis with your wife's gynecologist and you have no because it's a man you can you can then i don't know it's just he seems very chummy with this guy who works in a field that tim finds nauseating to even think about yeah it's i'm i'm surprised (laughs) i'm surprised the writers didn't write in like dr lloyd asking tim about the hot rod yeah (laughs) But that so the, we get kind of an interesting thing here where we we start the scene you know as a continuation of the lobby scene and they introduce the idea that uh, that she has a tumor and then it goes it, it has that serious note that guitar and it's just a fade to commercial there's no mm-hmm. transition you yeah. know we're in we're in drama territory yeah and so then it fades up and they continue having the conversation and yeah. uh, what happens then um you know they they. The gynecologist explains that the tumors are tumors like hers are almost always benign, ninety nine percent of cases. But she's going to have to get, you know, she's going to have to have a hysterectomy, which means that, you know, she won't have a period anymore and she won't be able to have any more kids, even though they make clear they'd already agreed they didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And there's a chance that he might also have to take her ovaries, depending on just how the surgery plays out, and that Jill expresses some concerns about how that would put her into early menopause. And then there's also just a question of schedules because Jill has been trying to finish her master's thesis uh, and she wants to try and get it done before the hysterectomy because it's coming right up. But the doctor is going out of town soon and says we need to operate ASAP. So let's, you know, you're going to have to be in the hospital for three days. So Jill is just, you know, going to have to try and get it done before that. And I think the important thing here is Jill's like when when she's saying that she'll go into early menopause, she's just like, I'm not I'm not ready for that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the yeah. doctor is saying, well, you, you know, because of the schedule, you have to make a decision like right away. And that I, I just want to highlight that because it brings out the like almost existential issue that Jill is going through here. Yes. That Tim doesn't and can't, you know, really experience Outside of being, you know, vicarious and supportive of Jill. And so we get almost no access point into what that means for her. <laughs> and well, and also, we don't see Jill go to the gynecologist, describe her symptoms, and right. then the gynecologist tell Jill this. Instead, we see Jill and the gynecologist explaining this to Tim. And I kind of question, like, wait, why does Tim need this explained to him by the 
gynecologist. Like why? It's like Jill and the and the OBGYN are explaining these things to Tim, kind of like like two parents explaining to their child that they're getting a divorce or that grandma died or something. It's like they're, and it's like. This, this is stuff that's very relevant to Jill, and we don't get to see Jill experiencing it firsthand. We get to see Jill trying to explain it to her idiot husband, who whose immediate reaction is to be making jokes. Yeah. The, the jokes are not necessarily—they're not mean, and he's not doing the ew, gross stuff anymore, but it is also just— this Jill is clearly very shaken. This is clearly a very right. serious scene, and the fact that Tim is just throwing jokes out there, it's just— well, I mean, he is trying to wrap his head around it. He is taking it seriously. I mean, as a character, he is as an you know as a a show mechanism. You know, yeah. it's it's playing Tim for laughs for us. He's yeah. not playing the laughs to try to get you know Jill and the doctor to laugh, mm-hmm. and he is genuinely trying to wrap his head around it. But this brings me to my biggest note for this episode, which is we're eight seasons into a show. Yeah, and. Yes, this is a sitcom where there's a certain expectation. It's right there in the title, situational comedy, mm-hmm. where you know you expect some laughs and, and levity. But eight seasons into a show, we're we're in it because we love the family. We yeah. love the characters. We it has bought the room to breathe and have a dramatic episode. Yes. You know, why why do we need this back and forth with Tim? making jokes here why why can't it just be i mean even if it is tim in the room that's fine but why why is it still processing through his character you know this is entirely jill saying i i realize i'm repeating myself now but yeah that's where i'm like the the show feels like it's not trusting me to go with it on a dramatic journey and that's a little frustrating and and also because Patricia Richardson and Tim Allen are both really good dramatic actors, this yeah. scene played for straight drama would be. I mean, it's it's already affecting, even though it's working against itself with the way that it's written on the strength of Jill's performance. Uh, and the the comedy isn't very good, so the comedy is making the drama worse, and it's not making the scene any funnier. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, to, again, to 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 bring it back to King of the Hill, it's when Hank criticizes a Christian rocker by saying, "Y'all aren't making God better; you're making rock and roll worse." Like, just just do one thing. <laughs> um, that is, that's really funny. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't come uh, from this show, though. No, it does not. It does not come from this show. But it, but again, a show that was being made at the exact same time and also yeah. dealing with questions of uh, masculinity and uh, in a in a much more nuanced and enjoyable way. Here, here. Speaking of levity, let, let me inject a uh, an absurdism here. Okay, who do you think Tim would would get along better with in a room, uh, Hank Hill or Homer Simpson? Uh I think he would get along better with Homer Simpson. I really do. Because, like, yes, Hank likes uh, cars and home improvement stuff, but he's such a straight-laced, straightforward man who looks down on boastfulness and any kind of Mm. vulgar talk. Like, someone... Someone belching the alphabet or like farting in front of him would really like kind of mortify Tim's Methodist sensibilities. So (laughs) Homer and, and Tim would be much better uh much better together hmm oh, yeah 
I was I was gonna I was gonna say the exact opposite uh, for the reason you stated, but I think you make a good case there. I I mean, there is an episode of King of the Hill. I've talked about this a lot too, where Hank is putting away his tools at his tool bench, and he reaches for the power drill, stops, puts on a pair of safety goggles, picks up the power drill, puts it on the pegboard, and takes off the safety goggles again. That guy is not getting along with Tim Taylor for one second. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Back to the episode. Yes. Um. So, what kind of what comes from this? Uh, the scene in the doctor's office. They, they make it. They make the appointment. Right. Yeah. She puts it on the books for Friday. Yep. Um. She's. You know. We didn't even acknowledge that. You know. In addition to just generally having to go through you know, your menstruation once a month and try to raise three kids and basically a husband child yeah. uh, while going to school. <laughs> like, just men just need to shut up generally. I, but Yes, uh, agreed. <laughs> the fact that she now has to go through this major surgery while trying to finish her <laughs> her thesis, mm-hmm. like, there, there's a there's a certain amount of, you know, I agree with the doctor and Tim and everyone else in this episode. It's like, just you know, take three days to rest, Joe. But yeah, she's made to feel like she has she has no time to do that. It, it well, and the, the, I think that also ties into the fact that you know she she says she hasn't gone to the gynecologist in a couple years because she's been busy, and it's like yeah, yeah, she has been busy, and Tim has had a lot of time to work on a hot rod, and uh, <laughs> right. you know, oh, and by the way, she you know she was busy when she was like going to twelve different shops to find the perfect uh, antique watch right. for Tim, or she was busy planning a whitewater rafting trip for Tim's birthday to California that Tim hated and and whined the whole way through like she part of the reason she's so busy is because she's going out of her way to like be great to this man who does not deserve it (laughs) yeah it's uh i don't know i it just it makes it hard to palate and i've said that already so uh let's continue forward yes to another unpalatable scene we go home uh tim and jill are coming home and and we're dealing this is like man patricia richardson on her a game here yes with her emotions uh, they're kind of talking about what this means and, and, you know, the emotional when you're, you know, sometimes when you're in those science, you know, clinical settings, you, you reserve your emotions and it all comes flooding out when you realize, oh shit, this is real and I got to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. She's back home. Just, you know, they, they get back and she's talking about how kind of frightening and disgusting it feels to know that she's got a tumor inside her the size of a cantaloupe and uh and and just the kind of visceral body horror of that and goes upstairs to lie down and then brad and mark come in and tim explains that they're gonna have to postpone the trip because jill needs a hysterectomy and then they ask what that is and tim tries to explain it to them using an extended metaphor about a kitchen sink uh and uh, yeah, and then, and Mark ends the scene by dismissing Tim and saying, "I'm just gonna go look it up on the internet," which <laughs> which was beautiful, great, so good, yeah. so good. Now, okay, I, we might diverge here a little bit. All right, I, if the if the beginning of this episode wasn't where it was, I wouldn't actually be opposed to Tim using a metaphor of what he knows to try to educate the kids. That's that's true. That's true. You're right. It, you know, I think that's it, it. 
shows him trying in the way that he knows how. And I think that they play it, you know, Mark's Mark's retort to him, I think is, you know, perfect. Yes. Just like you're an idiot and I have access to the entire information of the world at my fingertips. So, you know, parenting is irrelevant at this point. <laughs> I, I uh, and then, and then parenting will become very relevant as the internet gets more capable of warping minds. Yep. Um, yes. Yes. I think that, uh, no, you're, you're right. Like, I think that an arc that this episode could have taken is Tim being initially grossed out and dismissive about this stuff. But then as soon as Jill's health is at risk, Tim learning absolutely everything about, uh, the female reproductive system and like be becoming like very invested in it and knowing about it and open about it. And like want, because like this is suddenly important to him and it's real to him and him being as passionate about knowing that stuff as he's about his hot rod and that's kind of yeah what I was uh, angling toward earlier. It's just like yeah. there is no pivot point for him to you know. I I feel like after all of this is over in one or two more episodes, if someone mentions periods in front of him again, he's gonna have the same sort of reaction. Yeah. Well, and even in even at the beginning of this scene, Jill is talking about you know how awful she feels and talks about the concept. You know, I have a tumor the size of a cantaloupe, and Tim goes ugh or something like that. Like he makes a grossed out like you you're talking about disgusting stuff noise again and it's like bro you know now what the situation is with her and you're still playing that card um yeah like him him describing her insides as a sink like in a vacuum could actually work really well and be you know be kind of a heartening moment but is not Uh, and yeah, also this scene <laughs> yeah. also uh, unpalatable. So uh, I get. I have you got more for here, or are we just gonna move no, along? No, let, let's let's go to the next scene because it's a it's a pretty sweet scene in this this difficult episode. Yes, uh, we move ahead to the to the morning that of the hysterectomy, and Tim is going to be taking Jill to the hospital. It's very early; it's like four in the morning, and Jill comes downstairs. Tim's ready to drive her, and. Uh, Brad and Mark are both asleep on the couch. They came down because they wanted to see her off and they, you know, Tim wakes them up and they say goodbye to her and that they hope it goes well. And she's reassuring them and then sees that they've fallen asleep before she can finish talking. But then she goes over and has this just incredibly tender moment with, with Brad who's asleep where she just kind of pulls the blanket up over him and kind of strokes his head a little bit. And you see her really like, processing i'm going in for major surgery this might be the last time i look at my kids and Ugh. she and and then she kind of just says in this small voice like okay i guess it's time to go and you know and then tim tim has fallen asleep standing up leaning against the wall and so we go out on a laugh but it's yeah it's it i'm mean, just just patricia richardson really just can make a scene so real so fast yeah absolutely uh i I'm curious. Um, I'm just. I, I, we haven't really talked uh, throughout this show about their nominations. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I'm would... curious because she was nominated for four Emmys. She never won, but I'm curious if she won for or was nominated for this year. She was not. Mm, mm. What I mean was she nominated when when Taps was on like that was she did she go yeah. for season seven yeah that would she, make sense ninety four ninety six ninety seven ninety eight wow so that would have Taps the Taps season would have been the last mm. I mean yeah it, the 
And it's the sort of thing where, like, if this episode had been done from Jill's perspective and had a lot more Jill stuff in it and not Tim's stuff. Yeah. I think she could have won an Emmy for this because, I mean, she's, I, I, I don't know. I feel robbed of the opportunity to see this actress and this <laughs> character processing this and, and dealing with this more here's fully. Some, here's some vindication. Tim only nominated for one Emmy. Ooh. And was that for what? Out, outstanding, outstanding belch in a, in a sitcom <laughs> performance? Uh, no, uh, it's for playing Tim Taylor, but it was in 1993. So that would have been season three. My oh. God, where were oh, we as no. a country? No, no, no. Oh God. <laughs> not, not season three. Any season, but that, that was a, that, oh the, the Emmy voters were very just angry dudes that year. Um, hey. So, well, yeah, um, no, but it's, and again, th- this is also a scene where I'm, I look at it and think, wow, if they'd gone ahead with killing Jill, like, this would have been her last moment with her sons. Oh, I don't know how, handle that. how, how do you, I like, what, what big brain TV executive thought that they could then just go on with another season of, of this show after a moment like that and have people laugh at things like that, that I that don't. four episodes after that we can have like Tim, you know, lighting his chest hair on fire or something and, and oops, boing. Yeah. Well, I think Roseanne was a really good example of that. Cause they did that with the last season. They killed off Dan and yeah. the last season was Danless and it was not the same and it did go off the rails. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's weird that they they had kind of a precedent, a very recent precedent for a major show uh, going into the the potential decision to do that here. Um, I mean, I I think we were precariously close (laughs) to actually seeing that happen. It's just it's just Roseanne was like a darker show. Roseanne was about real shit. Home Improvement has never been a particularly heady or real shit type of show. It's a yeah. it's a show about men liking tools and farting. Like it's and so to <laughs> you know and women putting up with that. Yeah, exactly. And and men not putting up with a single thing from women that makes them uh feel uncomfortable. But yeah, I I um I don't know. I think it. I it's. I think that Roseanne could pull that off, and I think that. Uh, I think that Home Improvement simply could not, and that anyone believed yeah. that it could was lying to themselves. Well, Roseanne didn't pull it off. I mean, that last season's laughable and not a good way. Well, I mean, um, I, I mean, I agree. They didn't. I mean, by pull it off, I mean they did it. I mean, they yeah. they just the fact that they did it, and and you know, Home Improvement, I don't think could function at all like that. I think it would be yeah. even worse than Roseanne's last season. Yeah, agreed. Um, but I, I'm just I'm I'm distracting from the emotion of the moment because it's hard for me to to cope with. Uh, it's it is just it's a t- top tier, like, and I, I wish they the episode had focused more on her experience because as it is, I mean, it's it's heart wrenching. Uh, yeah. If this had actually gone through her experience. And, you know, from just thinking it was, you know, uh, an oddity in in her monthly cycle to, you know, the escalation to what it is and the the existential realization, as you're saying, of this could potentially be the last time I see my kids. Like, Mm -hmm. man, that would that would rip out hearts of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does it on its own. But, man. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy show. Heavy, heavy. We're robbed of that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, 
we watched Tim turn a pencil into a rocket ship. I well, that's what I was thinking at an earlier <laughs> point in the episode when when it was him and Marty going back and forth ragging on women for using tampons or having preferences for certain kinds. Uh, I was thinking like, you know what? Give me Tim launching a, a pencil rocket again. You know what? That episode suddenly doesn't seem so bad. Again, I think <laughs> as a, you know what? No, give me Tim launching a tampon as a rocket. Oh, okay, yeah, because he's he's a comfortable holding it. Yeah, like if the if the episode was like Jill goes off to get her hysterectomy and Tim is alone at the house. I don't know why he wouldn't be at the hospital, but let's just say that he is for some reason and resolves to be just really good about these things. And it's just him like pulling out like you know he's bought tampons and just like pulls one out of the box and is examining it and he like you I know. Want- <laughs> It's I want like, to see Tim in the gynecologist's lobby, sitting at the like child's table, using tampons and pads to build a little, little toy house. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see Tim pulling out his tape measure to measure the varying sizes of the different styles of <laughs> of tampons, the same way that Al used a tape measure to measure women's dress sizes like seven seasons ago. <laughs> oh my god. Um, okay, we go to the hospital. Uh, we get a. a doctor wiping the screen and jill is just we're we're wasting no time jill's on the gurney being led to the surgery to the or um and uh we get (laughs) we get a we get a kind of funny moment of um a male nurse coming by who we've seen before this is the same nurse from when tim had to bring randy in uh Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy and Beth remember when Beth hurt her knee on the, oh, the yeah. dance floor uh, on the dance floor yeah before before yeah. at the end of the episode Tim break dances yeah, yeah yeah the male nurse walked in and asked him why he's there and uh, you know he's pointing to um, Beth instead of himself same yeah. exact thing happens here and he goes oh Tim what are you in for this time and he goes a hysterectomy and the nurse is like well I guess that's the only thing left yeah <laughs> that was kind of a funny moment that was, I, I enjoyed it was a that good bit. it was a good bit I, I liked it I liked it and well also when Jill is wishing that her mom was was there, you know, as well, and 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 saying, well, she could keep you company in the waiting room. And Tim goes, oh, I'm at the hospital. I've got more friends here than anywhere. It's like, all right, this, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of good. I like yeah. that. Um, yeah, but this this is another kind of oh man, heart wrenching moment of just Jill playing up the the uncertainty and the fear before she goes into the operating room and talking about she wishing. She had her mother there, and you know Tim's like, "Are you crazy, your mom?" You know, in, in a in a you know kind of a, a supporting and and you know not a not a toxic way. He's like, "Are you kidding me? You you must be on drugs already. You you hate when your mom comes when you're sick." And she's like, "Yeah, but she's good at the big things." And uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it was really, I don't know. It was a really complex moment for Jill. Yeah, it wasn't no, just it, I'm I'm scared and I want to go home. It was it, it played it a little bit deeper into what she was going through there and you know a part of that's the writing and part of it was patricia richardson yeah and it's also i think it's also just seeing her laying on the table prepped for surgery is is i don't know that also just is hard that's just kind of like yeah. it's you know seeing one of your own loved ones about to go into surgery you you get you you get kind of the kind of anxious about it and yeah and also, just for the record, from the, from this point on, Tim is fine. Like at this point, Tim is Tim is concerned. Tim is supportive. Tim is there. It's it's which is very incongruent with how he's been previously in the episode. Um, but you know, better now than uh, better late than never. But still, not an excuse. What, what do you mean by fine? I just want to make sure we're. I, I understand what that means. Well, he's not being gross 
yes. about this. Yeah, he's not. Oh, you know, no, right. you're going. You know, whatever. And he's not. Um, he's not making jokes every five minutes either. Like there is some levity right. to but what he, he's doing. But he's not but, fine though. I mean, he's he's like oh worries worried and concerned and like i mean tim's conduct is fine and part of why it's fine is because tim is quite clearly very concerned for his wife's well-being which is how he should be right Uh, yeah well so i don't know they they wheel her in do you have anything anything more from there not from that Uh, i i think we should transition into possibly the most contrived Wilson scene the show has done so far. I, really, like, it would make sense for him just to be there to support Tim. Like, you don't have to yes. have him... You know, he, Tim's in the waiting room, and Wilson comes out in scrubs, wearing a mask, and says, oh, I was I was just delivering a baby. They're short on midwives today. And Tim d- does not react to the... Like, Tim is just... Well, he just says, oh, kind of a midwife crisis, which made me laugh out loud. That, but, was, that, was, a, that was a good joke. That was really solid. But, like, it, it, there's no, like, wait, you do that, Wilson? It's just, I, I to the point that I was like, wait, have we heard about this before, that Wilson is a midwife? I, and, and No, I think we're just supposed to take, like, oh, Wilson, Wilson can do anything. He's God. I, I mean, well, look, we, we've we've known that for a while, um, it, but but the fact that there is no even moment of confusion from Tim either suggests that he already knew this or he's just so worried that it didn't even compute. But um, I yeah, so he's there and and uh, talks to Tim about how Gandhi said that when you're you know when you're anxious, the best thing you should do is prayer, and uh, then uh, well, pray you know prayer is the best thing for when you're anxious, and so then. Wilson starts leading Tim in a very loud Hindi prayer, and everybody in the uh, waiting room is looking at them and laughing. And um, yeah, <laughs> it's you know, like I, it reminds me of an episode of Frasier. When, oh, okay, uh, okay. Niles had the the heart arrhythmia. Ooh, yeah, well, that was a heavy one. Yeah, everyone showed up at the hospital. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just what you do with friends. Why? Why do we have to have? I don't know. It just it it feels gimmicky and gross but it's like i almost feel like they're like how can we have wilson there just supporting tim and find a way to cover his face wouldn't it be easier if we just had him have a a doctor's face mask on well if he has a doctor's face mask he could be a midwife you know like reverse engineer from the gag yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It would also just make sense for, like, Wilson to be holding up a magazine in front of his face because he's yeah. in a waiting room. I, You know, I it, also, it, it calls into question, like, Wilson isn't there, like, Al's not there, like, Brad and, Brad and Mark aren't there. Like, this is kind of big stuff. Like, uh, I'm... Yeah. I'm I'm surprised that, that none of Tim and Jill's other friends are, are there, uh, but... Yeah, I, where's I, Patty? Yeah, I mean, also, you know, probably probably a good question. Um, Also, I'm sorry, this just occurred to me and made me even sadder. Does did they tell Randy? I hope someone called Randy. You know what? The thought went through my head in this episode of like, oh, I I guess we've just erased Randy at this point. Yeah, yeah, he came back for Christmas, and that was that. Yeah, like there's been no mention of him. No, like, oh, have you heard from Randy in Costa Rica? Have you know? literally does not exist no tape recordings that he sent back with the tape recorder they gave him like right uh, and it makes then all the more fucked up if they killed jill off in this episode randy would like oh i missed like the last year of my mom's life because i was in costa rica and he's gonna have to deal with that forever i know i know i'm sad just thinking about it that's the biggest bummer (laughs) 
I I Jesus. made up a situation for a fake for like a fictional TV show in my head that didn't happen, and it's making me depressed. That's that's how far around the bend we've gone. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um. Well, okay. Let, he finishes praying, and then Tim is you know the whole thing is I, I don't know if you mentioned this or not. Like it was supposed to be an hour and a half procedure. He's been there almost three hours, and yeah. so he's concerned, and we kind of fade out on Tim holding his head and it says to be continued and our stinger and outtakes is just, you know, that we, we've seen it before, uh, all the claymation home improvement logos and Tim's and transitions kind of jumping and bopping around the screen. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's Tim in the waiting room and then we do get, go into the, into the operating room for a second and the surgeons are working on Jill and saying, oh, she's going into shock. And then we, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we get confirmation from the doctors that shit's gone haywire and we just have Tim with his head in his hands and yeah. And to be continued. I blocked that out of my head. (laughs) It was, it was, look, I watched this like five minutes before going to bar trivia last night. And so it was sort of like I had to rally to be ready to go out of the house because I, yeah. um, Wow. We still want it trivia though. So, I mean, I guess happy ending for for everybody. Um, Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you say? It's, um, (laughs) it's. Do you have anything else? I mean, to be continued, we're going to, we're going to go into the, second part of this next week i mean that's right everybody you get another episode of us being like this keep listening (laughs) tune in next week folks i'm i'm okay let's just do a quick prediction because i don't know that we've had a to be continued episode before we've not we've not they could have stretched the longest day for two episodes but they didn't bless Uh, them i'm kind of wondering if we do a sopranos ending to this episode (laughs) oh we just we just uh just just the, the music the music comes in and that's that yeah, just in the middle of a sentence. Okay, well, I don't think we got to do it because we got to do character actor corner. Oh, okay, okay. I, I was just, I was just leaving it hanging in case that's that was going to be our edit point. Okay, we'll do. We'll, all right, we'll we'll do character. Well, we'll do character actor corner now since I guess we won't get all. Well, these we'll same do that in a second. I want to. I want to. Yeah. Since we haven't had a, a to be continued before, what do you, what do you predict for the next episode? Where do you think it's going to continue the tone, or, or. I mean, clearly, we know Jill lives. Uh, well, but I, like, do we? Uh, I mean, I think. Well, she, I don't know. Do you? I, I mean, I'm assuming. Do you think Jill dies here? No, is I that guess, your prediction? I, I mean, no. My prediction is not that Jill dies. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I would have found that out somehow yeah. in, in reading a Wikipedia page at some point. I mean, my assumption is that the next episode is probably going to be. A, a version of the longest day where it's just taking place over the course of a couple hours while Tim is at the hospital and probably more and more people showing up mm-hmm. there, you know, the kids show up and Wilson, well, Wilson's already at the hospital, but like maybe what I was saying, like, why aren't all these other people here? Maybe like Al and everyone will show up and it's just about Tim waiting to hear about what's going on and everybody considering how much Jill means to them. So I see it as almost like a clip show, not a clip show, but like a tribute show to Jill almost. Oh, actually, if they were going to do one final clip show, that wouldn't be the worst thing I mean, in the world. Well, yeah. Maybe it would. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of the Riker episode of Star Trek <laughs> Next Generation. <laughs> well, what is that one where he's where he's sick or something and everyone is just telling stories about Riker? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's I think constantly listed as one of the worst episodes in <laughs> Possibly one of the worst clip shows ever because they did it so early in the run. <laughs> yeah, wait, yeah. Like, uh, how early was this? Was this in the second season or something? 
Uh, I think it was in early season three or mid season three or I, I can't remember exactly. It's yeah. been a while since I've seen the show, but yeah. Um, okay, so that's your prediction. Yeah, I, what's yours? I think it's. I my gut is they can't. If I'm an executive at the sh- at the show and I'm a little scared about how people are taking this, I I, I wouldn't say. I, I would say I'll give you one dramatic episode. So I think they'll address the 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 seriousness of this early in the next episode, but. I bet we're going to go right into some other shenanigans. Uh, you know, Tim overly doting on her maybe and like mm. not giving her the space she needs to finish her thesis or mm. not listening to her while she's trying to recuperate or, you know, we're going to get, we're, we got to get back into the, the shenanigans a little bit. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe so. I, I feel like, I feel like the exe- whatever executive greenlit this, a, a dramatic two-parter episode just assumed that both of them would be drama. And also, I think there's still plenty of room for shenanigans even when Tim is worried about Jill. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of my thought. I, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna end up going a little more, a little more goofy than this episode. Um, and I think it's gonna be. I know I don't think it's going to take place as much as the hospital. I think they're going to get her home and it's it's going to be more like I don't know. Over I, I just think overdoting is going to be the theme of it. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you're you're thinking a recovery centric episode. I'm thinking a surgery centric yeah. episode. Uh well, yeah. yep. all right. We'll, we'll we'll see we'll see which one of us wins next week. <laughs> okay. All right, we will. Um is there anything else in this episode we didn't cover that you want to? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think we're probably better off uh, moving on from this episode so we can get to the next episode in this saga. Yeah, okay. Well, let's go into... Uh, I wish I wish I still had the song in my heart to do theme songs, um, but... The very, the very corner. somber hysterectomy uh, character actor corner I think song. if you look back at this show, I was probably doing theme songs mostly in season three when Ugh. I was trying to wrap my head around what did I get myself into in the long run. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it also is weird to me that we did an entire like April Fool's episode about Muppet Babies until I remember how desperate I was to watch anything other than the third season of this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. All right. Um, let's go into some character actors. There's more in this episode than I anticipated. Uh, I will say Lowell Sanders, who plays uh, male nurse, Mm-hmm. was the same actor who has appeared three different times on the show in the, the same capacity of uh, having that kind of joke with, with Tim. So in Slip Sled and Away, um, mm-hmm. let's go to the videotape and this one. Uh, he has played a male nurse um, meeting Tim in the the hospital. I got to respect so, the consistency. I'm going to go the way they list them on IMDb. Playing Dr. Lloyd... What was his last name? Uh, Fields. Yeah. Dr. Lloyd Fields Brother is... Brother of Todd Field. <laughs> uh, Joel Higgins. Mm, Higgins. Joel Higgins has 23 credits. Now he's playing a doctor here. Yeah. Yeah. You know where they have those are in emergency rooms. They do. Uh, he started in 1968 um, on One Life to Live. Actually... Mm. He, looks like he played a episode in 1975 um let's see what else uh is memorable here silver spoons is mm. a show uh yeah, that is a show fa- 
Family Matters, Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. Wow. Jag, Crossing Jordan. Ooh. Ooh, uh, we're veering into ER territory here. In Well, how about this one? In 2016, his his last credit uh, is a film, I think, called No Pay Nudity. I guess volunteer work Lane. is important. What the With fuck? Nathan? Wow, really? Okay. And Gabriel Byrne and Francis Conroy? Wait, I Jesus think that's... Yeah, I, I I don't know. That I think I've heard of that though. I think I've heard that there that's like I think there was a play or a comedy review or something about it's about oh. like actors and like actors in small roles and like you know you know, it's an acting job where you're not getting paid but you're expected to do nudity. Like I think it's some ah. sort of like commentary thing or got well it, not got it, not got commentary, it. but like, oh boy, this is the life of an actor. <laughs> got it. Okay. Um was he on ER? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Ooh. In 1989, he played Monsignor Joseph Mac McKenzie in Have Faith. Oh, okay, well, that ha- there's no way you can tie that to ER, so. Uh, he was huh? in huh? E.D. Ed, mm. the TV series. Mm-hmm. Great. The bowling alley <laughs> lawyer thwarting me again. <laughs> Um, nope, he was not on ER. I'm sorry. That's nah, too bad. It's too bad. Okay, moving on to the receptionist at the uh, at Doctor Field's office it yes. is played by Deborah Engel. She has 22 credits, including the Golden Girls and uh, the Golden Palace, the the oh. sequel series. Okay, uh, once B. Arthur left, because. She has played. Uh, she played a very key role on that as uh, Rebecca Devereaux. That's right, oh. uh, Blanche's daughter. Oh, wait! Oh my God! Oh, that's uh, okay. And she, wait, I'm sorry. I who who does she play in this episode? The receptionist. Oh my God! Oh no, I remember the Rebecca Devereaux episodes. That's uh, that's wild. I did not recognize her at all. Maybe because she was. Only having uh, Tim Allen say mean things to her, and not uh, not, <laughs> not uh, Blanche. Yeah, not not Blanche or not uh, Sophia Petrillo. Mm. Uh, she has also appeared on Family Ties. Did you ever? Were you aware at all of the Ron Perlman Beauty and the Beast with Linda Hamilton? Uh, well, I knew that Ron Perlman was the voice of the Beast in the animated movie. He was. I'm I'm pretty sure. I right. I don't think he was. Mm. Well then, well then, wait. What, yeah, then where does Linda Hamilton come into this? There, there was a live-action Beauty and the Beast show starring Linda Hamilton and Ron Perlman as the Beast, and like the Beast lived in a sewer. <coughs> I did not, I did not know this <laughs> at I, all. I hope, I hope that cough was. I hope you don't edit that out because it sounded like you, you just did like a spit take. Like what a Beast <laughs> in a sewer? <laughs> but they, that that doesn't fit at all. I can't imagine that. Uh, well, no, that was me. That was me doing a spit take when I see that Robbie Benson was the beast in the movie. So I don't know. Um, I don't know where I got the idea of of Ron Perlman playing the beast, except I guess in this live action show that I didn't know existed. It's kind of weird. Um, okay, back to Deborah Engel. Uh, she was on Empty Nest, uh, Blossom. With married with children, with twenty two credits, was she on ER? Uh, I'm gonna say yes, she was on ER. Damn, you're good. Yeah. She was on an episode of ER in 1998, uh, yes. playing Harriet Goodwin. Ooh, okay, Harriet okay. Goodwin. 
in an episode um, called Split Seconds. Oh, Split Seconds. That could uh, that could be about a lot of things, but it's probably about time. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Moving along. Um, we're going to go to the two women on the couch that uh, are, are talking to Tim. Yes. The first one that is pregnant is Lorna Scott. Uh, wow. 144 credits. Oh, damn. Including uh, things like... The Guilt Trip with Barbara Streisand and oh, Seth Rogen. Seth yeah. Rogen. Uh, I recently just got a big crush on Barbara Streisand. So oh, that. wow. That's okay. Congratulations. I you, Funny you, Girl for the first time. You you and millions of gay guys now have something to talk about. <laughs> uh, she was in Wanted. She was in Promising Young Woman. Oh, wow. Yeah. Two Broke Girls. Uh, kind of going back and forth in her career here. Come on, internet. There you go. Um. 17 again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the movies, <laughs> 17 again, has the quintessential old person writing for teenage moment for me, which was in the year 2009, the daughter of Matthew Perry, uh, her boyfriend, comes up, and it's one of these, like, overprotective father moments. Yeah. To show that the the boyfriend was untrustworthy. In 2009, he drives up to the house blaring limp biscuit nookie <laughs> and then and then did he get out of the uh, he gets out of the car and you see he's got a slingshot in his back pocket so you know he's no good <laughs> pretty much yeah um what else has lorna scott been in i will tell you true blood mm-hmm. uh she was on desperate housewives and cis just like heaven with reese witherspoon bad santa i mean she's been all over the place anger management what else you want to know? Tremors three? Yeah, she was in it. And YPD Blue. <laughs> um, let me get my little search and find here. No NYPD Blue. Mm, well, okay, okay. There's at least one place that uh, one place that she hasn't shown up. Not to not to take anything away fr- from her and her uh, astounding career. Uh, mm-hmm. Fraser. Ooh. Okay, we're going through the old. I, well, the old because, ball game here. Because now I'm actually interested. I guess. Yeah. Uh, she was not on Frasier. Wow. Okay, I'm not trying to poke holes in your theory. I think she does have a very impressive career. Uh, I'm gonna say she <laughs> was on ER based on based on that breadth of uh, appearances. In 1995, she was on an episode of ER playing Stan's wife. Okay. And a miracle happens here. Yeah. That's the name of the episode. Oh, I thought you were saying a miracle happened, and then you were going to tell me, you know, and. That episode. That episode also starred Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Um, okay. <laughs> nope. Maybe I don't. I, at one point, yeah, we know uh, Zachary Ty Bryan is the only cast member to be on ER. I have to imagine one of our character actors was in the same episode. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I okay. Someone at home who's been tracking this and making a spreadsheet, start cross referencing and see what you can find. <laughs> All right. Uh, Oh boy, let's go to uh, the other woman sitting on the couch with Tim, Sonia Eddy. 138 credits. Mm-hmm. Holy bajoli. That's oh, a lot. Oh, recently. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, I, this isn't great, but there's a uh, a horror series called VHS. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm it, familiar. It's, yeah, it's an anthology series. You know, the quality is all over the place. I can't really, I'm not going to defend them, but they keep going. The recent one that they did was VHS, and um, Flying Lotus did a segment in one. 
that is just unreal. And mm. uh, it's kind of playing like a, a um, double dare. Like there's a kid's show, but the host is like uh, unconcerned for the kid's welfare. And like this girl breaks her leg while Ooh. performing. And uh, <laughs> he he basically says you, you don't win, but like the bone sticking out of her leg is gross. And the mother of the girl like gets so pissed off at this guy that uh, like a year or two later, they they capture the the host and put him through his own like obstacle course to hell. Oh god. And uh yeah, she plays the mother and oh. she is like brutal in that movie in that segment. Uh so just kind of interesting to see. I like I knew I knew her face from somewhere uh cuz I watched that in the last year. Interesting. Wow. Wow. Okay. These these people Sorry. are cropping up in your day to day life. They're putting you on yeah. your uh, on your own obstacle course to hell. Well, let me talk a little bit more about your lane. Uh, she was in an episode of Pen Fifteen. Oh, really? Yeah. Playing okay. Grace. Grace. I don't remember a Grace, but uh, you know, it was a season two episode. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. What else has she been in? Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Castle. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Two broke girls. She Why goes all the way. Two broke girls. Way go all the way back to the Drew Carey show was her first. Uh, was her first credit, and then Martin High School High with with John uh, Lovitz. Jo- uh, yeah. Okay. Great. Great. Uh, married with children. Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero. Saved by the Bell. The new class. Murphy Brown. This is in a row. God, that was a. This, she, she had a. She had a. Big 1997. Yeah, I matters. know. Oh, man. Tracy takes on. Uh, Third Rock from the Sun, Seinfeld. My Good God. God. Whoa. <laughs> man, she was just so cashing residual she's... checks left and right for a while there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, question is, was she on ER? Uh, she had to have been on ER. You think so? Okay. I, uh, yeah. Secondary question, how many episodes of ER was she on? Uh, Two? Three. Oh, man. Oh, but that's good. Was she playing the same character every time? Well, she played two different characters. In season 13, uh, it looks like a two-parter um, where she played the same character. So you're kind of right. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I'll take that. I'll take that. Well, Okay. Oh, okay. Trucking, trucking along. We're, yeah. we, uh, we, we're running out of time. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Roland kicking her. Ro- ro- what a ro- name Roland Ki- well I mean I feel like they're kicking her a lot in this episode uh, and that's part of why <laughs> I don't true. love it uh, you might forget that he was in this episode because he was all the way back at the beginning as oh. Dolph yes of course <laughs> he feels like from a different world uh, he goes back to 1997 it looks like he was starting um, he was a detective in Lethal Weapon 4 mm-hmm. uh, an episode of Caroline in the City playing Lars um, he uh, King of Queens. He was in disaster movie playing Hulk. <laughs> okay, okay. Why well, he has the build for it? Um, yeah. I'm trying to see. It was in an episode of Chuck. He played T eight thousand T eight hundred in Terminator Salvation. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Oh, uh, all right. I think I remember that one. Yeah. I mean, I remember. I I remember the the specific scene in that one. I think where there's a square jawed blonde guy. The T eight hundred. Now I'm not. I have to admit, I like the first Terminator and the second Terminator. Uh, I'm not a diehard fan of that series. What's the model of the Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, well, that's uh, that. 
th- that's a T-800, because I am a Die Hard okay. fan of that series and also a Die Hard fan of Die Hard. Uh, but yeah, My no, guess is, though, is yeah. he's probably the body that they put Arnold Schwarzenegger's face on at the end of that movie. Oh, you know, that's... Yes, actually, right, because they have him come out and they have then a a CGI'd, like, young Schwarzenegger face onto mm-hmm. a... Bu- yeah, you know what, That's that makes a lot of sense. Blow me. Wow. Blow me? I mean... <laughs> I, I I don't I dude you know take take it off air and we can discuss but that's <laughs> he was in a short called Blow Me no uh, was he on ER uh, I'm gonna say no he was not on ER you're right he was not on ER boom boom two more people uh, All right. and we'll do these quickly uh, we've got Allie Wolf and Stephanie Fudge uh, playing the anesthesiologist and the orderly. Um, Allie Wolf has two credits. One yeah. of them being Home Improvement was the other ER. Uh, no. You're correct. It was. She was in eight episodes of Seventh Heaven. Oh, right. Okay, and Stephanie Fudge has uh, four credits. Mm. One of them being ER. One of them being The Clinic is the other one of the other two ER. Well, you said one of them being ER and one of them being the clinic. Did you mean one of them being home improvement? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, one of them being home improvement, one of them being uh, the clinic. Uh, I'm going to say no, she was not on ER, but now I'm worried that maybe she was on ER, and that's why you said she was on ER. With the four with the four credits? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oops. She was on she, ER? She was on ER. God damn. Fuck. Son of a gun. Fucking hell. Oh, it's terrible. That's terrible. It is awful. This, is, um, this sucks. This is the most tragic part of the episode. Uh, wow. I Where mean, we both fuck up. Yeah, I know. I, I would, you know, at least I was wrong in a way that I'm normally wrong. You were wrong in a new kind of way. <laughs> I know. Uh, and it does not feel good. Well, I'm not feeling good. What do you say we end this episode? Uh, yes. Let's end this episode so our listeners may feel better by no longer having to listen to it. Um, yeah. Listen, yeah. it's the last 10 episodes. We got to give them their money's worth. I mean, look, this, uh, yeah, you know what? This episode is, uh, for everything we said about this episode, it, it is not just why did, it's not just why did you show us this when we only have 10 episodes left. It was, okay, well, you made <laughs> us feel something, all right. Yeah. And you know what? Listen, this is a longer episode. There's nothing to say you can't make your own two-part episode out of this episode that we did. Oh, yeah, that's one way to, to stretch out the content and for me to do less editing in the course of a week. No, I'm not like saying that. you. I'm saying the listener. The listener oh. can like, uh, oh. choose their own adventure two-parter. Like, listen yeah. to half on Tuesday and half on Wednesday. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, you know what? I kind of just assumed that that was implied about our podcast. You can really listen to it however you want to. I mean, we put it out there, and it's for your it's for your use, so long as you're not trying to profit off of it. Uh? Mm-hmm. That felt like a good one. I that f- did, that, that, yeah. I felt that one... I don't, I'm not saying it was perfect, but as far as my my grunts go, I felt good about that one. Yeah, no. Well, it's good that we're feeling good about something. Um, <laughs> yeah, how many grunts do you think there were, Landon, in this episode? It's not zero. It's I not know zero. That. A lot of a lot of grunts in a dark episode, or for a dark uh, episode. I am shocked that we're seeing so many more grunts right at the end here. Yeah, I know, I know. I mean, we we expected this would happen, and we just expected it would have started ramping up well before now, and by a much yeah, larger yeah. amount. Uh, well, you said there's a lot of grunts in this episode. R- uh, rel- relative to 
like how many there normally are. Don't don't relative to zero. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, I I know for sure there's three. Uh, because he does the the grunts as he's walking over to the ski machine. Yes. Um, I don't. He might grunt when talking to Brad and Randy about or Brad and Mark about the the brochure about the Boyne Mountain. Mm. Um, but I don't remember it. I, I'm gonna go three. I'm I'm gonna stick to what I saw with my eyes and ears and logged in my brain. None of which of those three things I trust. Uh, well, Landon, you need to learn to trust yourself because ding, 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 ding. You're right. That's correct. The number of grunts was three. Wow. Yeah, it's him. It's him. You know, grunting up a storm over that uh, over that. Uh, ski polishing machine at the beginning that's yeah. they get them out there early before things go south okay all yeah. right yeah look at I'm that i'm surprised that we don't have like a new type of grunt i mean i don't know i'm, I'm not i don't really i don't really <laughs> see it as the sort of thing he, he can innovate on that much i mean okay it's it's kind of gruesome when you try to invent a new catchphrase midway through a show What's well, that? It's a, yeah. I guess. I guess that's. I mean, what, what like, wouldn't? What, it'd be you, weird if like Steve Urkel came in and just, you know, after something happens, just went. Did I do that? If it if he knocked something over and came in and just went, did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> or or like he, it's the same. It's the same catchphrase. You just deliver it differently. Yeah. Okay. I. I mean. I. I suppose. I suppose. He'd have to kind of like the only way it could work is if he was very gradual about it. If it if it started, you know, if at first it's did I do that, and then midway through it's like did I do that, and then and then as it it just works its way what down. If, what if we got real ex- existentials? Like, did I do that? <laughs> did I? <laughs> there do? are two of me now. There's Steve Urkel and there's Urkel. Now, was it me that actually did that, or was it him? Are mm. we the same person? Who am I? Mm. Who am I? What is that? And uh, how and what is doing? <laughs> oh my God! Yep, this is what happens with long episodes. Let's get yeah. out of here. What do you say? Let's go. Let's uh, let's make the most of our lives. Yes. Okay. Grunt work is made possible by our patrons. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create this show, end this show the way that we want to, consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod, where for as little as $1, you can get access to our entire library of Gruntwork Nights episodes, the episodes that are about anything but home improvement. Leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts because it's the fastest, easiest way to support the show. Plus, it's free and it helps a lot of people find the show in our final day. Days. Stop by to say hi to us on social media, wherever you can find us, I guess, at Gruntwork Pod, uh, or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com, where you can also find other information on today's episode. And until next week, when we bring you Season 8, Episode 19, Part 2 of Love's Labor Lost, I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps, and remember... Tune in next week if you want to find out what you need to remember. What? Did I? <laughs>